Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Doug and Jess moments away. Tenth caller now wins a Sorgles gift certificate at 412-922-1020. But if you'd like to talk to Doug and Jess New Year... 2020 is underway. The Organic Gardeners start dialing 866-391-1020. Doug from EverybodyGardens.com. Jessica Walliser right now. Good morning, guys. Good morning. I am Doug Oster from Everybody Gardens and the Tribune Review. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. Hooray. Another Are you year. A, aren't you a Pollyanna this morning? Another year. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> Still alive. Hooray. Rob, why are you laughing so hard at that? <laughs> you're uh, feeling the same way? No, I'm happy. Oh, you're happy. Very All happy right. because the end is near. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no. Oh, jeez. Happy New Year. Oh, my goodness. We were to the Pollyanna references. We were talking about the movie Pollyanna. And what was the statement that changed his mind? If you look for the... If you look for the bad in people, you'll always find it. Right. So you look for the good in the day, Doug. That's right. Right. Happy New Year! There you go. That's more like it. Another decade. That's more like it. (laughs) Another decade of fabulousness in the garden, right? I am looking forward to the to the garden. I was out there. I still you won't believe it. I still have bulbs to plant. I keep running across bulbs and should have done it yesterday, but didn't. And got to go in today because I'm going to Baltimore to cover this trade show called Mance Mid Atlantic Nursery Trade Show. So it's got to be done today. Now, what are you hoping to find at Mance? Are you, you have your eye on? No, I just want to see. Particular? I just want to know just something new. Okay. I want to go through the different breeders and see if there's anything cool. You know, and not just that, but you know, tools and seeds and varieties. And I get I like get a lot of good stories out of there. So. It's fun. Yeah. Now, I know before we came on air, you were talking about that, uh, you know, we were talking about planting the vegetable garden for the coming year, and you had mentioned that there were some new veggies that you want to try. You know, I there's this one catalog called J.L. Hudson. It's a weird one. No pictures, just listings, you know, from California, and I've, I've been ordering there forever, and I just like to look through it and find a couple of things, and yeah, there's these uh, this Russian brown or brown Russian cucumber, mm. which in the catalog says uh, something like the ugliest but best tasting. Yeah, strangest looking but best tasting. And then there's this weird. Is be- it brown? It's brown. Yeah, it's cucumber? like brown and kind of like nettled, like like like, okay. like there's netting around it. Okay, uh, it's almost like a cantaloupe. Yeah, 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 kind of like okay. that. And so I just sometimes I see stuff like that, and I'm just like, that'll be fun. I didn't plant cucumbers last year my daughter loves cucumbers i'm like this will make me plant cucumbers yeah you know and i'll put some in peat pots mm-hmm. and then i'll and start them early. direct sow some okay and then there's this weird beet and it's called three root grex and it's mm. a cross between lutz overwintering crosby purple egyptian and yellow intermediate mangle and when you plant the seeds you get all sorts of weird different beets uh so 
I'm interested in that. I think that'll be cool. So they took the cross, and then now you have all have the no progeny, idea. which are just kind yeah, of random I have, I have no idea. genetic crosses. And but, uh, you know, you start putting all these names in there, Crosby, Purple, Egyptian, and Yellow, Intermediate, Mangle, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they you are. Know, it's, but <laughs> it's interesting to me that you don't grow cucumbers in your garden, because that's like a staple in my vegetable garden. I grow them, but I just, you know, I... I know it on a lot of sun, so that's well, probably Well, through the, the craziness of the start, you know, a lot of times I just don't, you know, I just don't get to cucumbers. You know, yeah. usually I'm adding them just by going to the nursery and getting a few plants and sticking them in here. I like to grow them up on trellises and stuff. But we should talk a little bit about planting a vegetable garden, you know, which way the rows should be, all that sort of thing. If you're thinking about doing that. Oh, one more thing. Uh, Han Nursery still has garlic and they're almost giving it away. If you wanted to tuck in some garlic, they'd have some. And it's the ground's not frozen yet, so therefore it's not too late. So ideally earlier in the season, but hey, if they've you got get it. get away with it. Right, exactly. Yeah, so planning. I mean, now is the time, this is what we gardeners do, right? We flip through those seed catalogs, as Doug is doing, obviously, and I need to do, and we start dreaming, right? This is also the time to, to put pen to paper and start planning your vegetable garden. And if you're, you know, an established vegetable garden, draw out your existing beds, where you're going to put each crop, um, you know, how you're going to rotate it and make it different from last year, even if something is just a few feet over, that can make a big difference. If you're planting a first-time vegetable garden or you're expanding your exist existing vegetable garden, also get that on paper. Draw out where the new beds will be. So when the, you know, when the weather breaks, you can get started on building all those new beds right away, whether they're raised beds or in-ground beds. You know, have a plan in hand so that when spring strikes, you're ready to go. Tell them about that book from Tara, that raised garden bed. It was a big deal. Yeah, raised bed revolution. So this is uh, Tara Nolan, who works with me on the website Savvy Gardening. And uh, her book, Raised Bed Revolution, came out. It, it's one of the best-selling garden books in, in recent years. And uh, it talks about what do you need to do when you build a raised bed garden? What, is it, what are options of making the beds? You know, how what some different designs. She's got a lot of projects in there. From even tiny little beds that are up on wheels that you can have on a on a deck or a patio, all the way out to, you know, full-size 8 by 4 raised beds when, and when what I, kind of material. When I hear from people who want to start, I, I always recommend them to, to do that, to do some kind of raised bed, mm-hmm. to build up instead of do what I did in the early days of just continually adding uh, compost and stuff to the dirt until finally after years and years and years you you have this great soil. But boy, if you could just buy some great soil and stick about eight inches in there and keep, keep building... Yeah. It'd be easier. Yeah. And we're we're talking actually at home uh, about expanding our vegetable garden and putting in some big raised beds, like like 16-inch tall raised beds, just because in the end, even though it's more of an investment up front, in the end, it it's pays off because it's lower maintenance, it's fewer weeds, it's that good soil again. What would you use to hold those beds in place? What would you think for a 16-inch bed? What would it be like a... I would like to do a garden like Nikki Jabor's up in Halifax, where you have like a like a two by eight kind of two of those stacked on top, Cedar? sort of a double layer. I'd love to be able to find like hemlock or locust or something. I don't know if we can find that around here. Her beds are made of hemlock and they're beautiful, and that's a long lasting wood. I won't use treated wood, right. even the newer treatment products. I don't want to use in the garden. Well, when just we're like that's why food, you know so. rough cut cedar is easy to get. It's yeah, cheap. Yeah, uh, but about, I bet you could what, find- 20 years or so, 15 I don't know, years? It lasts a long time. Does it? Yeah, yeah, especially that like, thickness, if not, you're getting a real thick not board. Not like pine. Yeah. You know, when I think about your garden, though, when I think cucumbers, 
that's a tradition for you, though. You have to have cucumbers, oh, yeah. don't you, to make yeah. your pickles? Yep, yep. You know? And we eat a lot of fresh cucumbers. Like we, you know, all year round we go through, we buy a lot of the greenhouse cucumbers, you know, the ones grown in mm -hmm. greenhouse and organic. Uh, and, you know, they can be a little expensive, but if we can grow our own, all the better. I'd love to have a greenhouse to I'm be able to do I'm going to grow that around. Russian brown next to your silver slicer that you told me about. There you Real go. quick, the other thing about Mance is I'll be able to talk to a lot of other garden writers that have actually grown some of this new stuff. I'd, I'd much rather get that recommendation yep. than like the breeder telling me it's the best thing ever. Till next year. Right. <laughs> All right, folks, we'd love to hear from you. Already a few folks lined up for Doug and Jeff today, 866-391-1020. Next hour, Joe and Frank Dentisi cleaning out the freezer. All those great recipes, mix and match. Give us your ideas. That's an hour away, but now it's all about your garden. We'll be right back. All right, let's get right back to the phones. Here's Ann for Doug and Jess. Good morning, Ann. Good morning. Hello. Oh, hello. Good Hi. morning. Hi. Oh. I have a question for Jessica about the weeping Alaskan cedar that she wrote about in the trip right before Christmas. Mm -hmm. Is it deer resistant? They are in my yard. So weeping Alaskan cedar. And if you want to read more about it, um, you can also go to SavvyGardening.com. There's an article there. Uh, it is, they've never bothered it at my house. Now it is, I will say this, it is tucked in a corner. Uh, we have a stockade fence around the front part of our backyard and it's tucked in a corner there. And I know the deer don't like to kind of be cornered. So they tend to stay away from areas like that. However, they have eaten the juniper and the holly that are right next to my weeping Alaskan cedar, but they have not touched either one of the cedars. Yes, they've eaten two deer-resistant plants. Exactly, <laughs> right next to it, but they have not eaten that. So and that, to me, is a good sign. And cedars in general are, are, are known as deer-resistant. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, I think you'll be okay, but I do suggest that you, you know, you want to keep an eye on it for any signs of nibbles. And if some, you know, if they take a taste, then you want to spray it or fence it in right away. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh -huh. One time I did a story on a guy. He does all the landscape for a, a, uh, a college and he had never been interviewed before and he was so nervous about it that the interview was for TV the interview couldn't be used. I knew it when I was interviewing him. And so I told the guy just to keep rolling and pretend like he wasn't shooting. And that's when he just started talking about his this weeping Alaskan cedar that he had found. This was back when it was a very, not rare plant, but mm -hmm. not used in the landscape very often. And just his affinity for the plant and finding something different. You know, when the camera was off him, he could ex just... Let it all out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you air that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I used all that. I used you didn't the... air the formal. No, interview. no, 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 no. We, you know, the formal part of the interview. I think he just says his name, and then it just goes to us looking at the wheat people in Alaska cedar. Oh, jeez, yeah. that's funny. That's funny. It's a great Kay plant in the North Hills for Doug and Jess. Hey, Kay. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a question. Uh, is it? Do they have they developed anything? If I am correct in this. When we have a tomato blight, you have to clean up your garden and get everything out of there, all the leaves and everything. Do they have any kind of spray or something that we can put on in the dirt or on top of the dirt? It is. The spores are in the dirt. Am I correct? Yes. So, yes. Here's the thing. <laughs> there are some products that you can that are basically they consist of good microbes that that supposedly help manage the bad microbes in the soil. 
they it's not that they specifically target those blight spores it's more that they boost the health of your soil and they they increase the positive activity in the soil uh i have had mixed success and read mixed results about them now the companies that make these products one is called mycostop the other is actinovate there's a couple other ones you know they will tell you oh stops blight in its tracks yeah, right. That I've not really had great experience with them. They're not super expensive. They won't hurt your soil, so you can try them if you want. But whether or not they're actively going to affect the the rate of disease transmission, that's arguable. And the two diseases we're talking about are early blight and septoria leaf spot. But there is another type of blight that's airborne that is rare, right. very rare, not very rare, but. More one, rare one here. In, one right. in seven, eight years called late blight that usually comes later. But yeah, those early ones, how I try to combat it, Kay, is just using different cultural practices, which is mulching and especially succession planting and also trying to find varieties that are disease resistant that are still right. still tasty. And so... Yeah, they, none of that has worked so far for me. I just, I, it just seems like somebody would have developed something that really would work. Well, the problem is with with all those parts, there's no way to target that specific fungal organism because there's so many beneficial fungi in the soil. In fact, our plants cannot live without symbiotic relationships with various species of fungal organisms in the soil. That's how they acquire a lot of their nutrients. And so when you apply an antifungal to the soil, not only are you getting rid of that you know, pest fungus, but you're also getting rid of all the beneficial fungal organisms okay. that our plants can't live without. And that's the biggest issue. With and, 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 okay. and, and Kay, one thing we have to mention too is how many seasons now in a row have we had where it's just been incredibly wet, right. where I don't yep. care. These plants are, are susceptible to fungal diseases. That's just who they are. And right. when you have at least the last two seasons, mm-hmm. maybe three, maybe yeah. more, where you have just rain, 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 yeah. rain, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. And and again, I'm just gonna reiterate that by by succession planting, I did pretty well at 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 beating the blight. And the other thing I would suggest to you, Kay, is uh, do you have the opportunity to to put your tomatoes in another place, in a different I bed? I really don't. Okay. I have a little spot that has a seven foot fence. Bee. We have so many deer. Okay. It's just, and it's a ra- they're raised beds. Okay. I was going to suggest, um, too, if you could grow them into in containers for a few years where you're using like a sterile potting soil, um, maybe mixed with some compost, and try your tomatoes in the in containers for a few years, you, you will definitely have, you know, very low rates of disease transmission there, um, especially if they're new containers and new fresh potting soil, as it should be every year, and, and the, that the, would help And as that well. is kind of one of the reasons also that that, straw bale gardening became a big deal right. because you're not there's no fungal spores in there but it's it's not easy to do straw bale gardening it's right. kind of cool not. and i've ha- seen people do amazing tomatoes and straw bales yep. mine weren't you one mean of they them. they plant yeah. the tomatoes directly into the bales of straw they do but it's it's, it's not that easy yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a whole i would even say it's an art form really when i when, oh. I, when I first did it you got it you got to put something in there that's going to try and convert that straw to good compost and I had, and it has to be high nitrogen, and so the organic solution was for me, blood meal. Yep. And that was a disaster because as that started to decompose and do its, its thing, it, yeah, it, oh, it was flies <laughs> and maggots, and it yeah. smelled, it smelled, it smelled like a, 
it's this smelled. is nice Sunday breakfast. We yeah, get it. it, was, we get it was, <laughs> you don't need more details. We get I it. do need one more detail. It was close enough to the pool where I almost got divorced. Okay. <laughs> so, so next time I would use like urea or something like that. But yeah, you need this high nitrogen addition to the straw. You know, uh, Joel Karsten's book is pretty interesting. You know, you can get a lot of information online about it. It might, might be worth it just to try one bale in the corner or something. Stick stack two of them together and, and see how it goes for you. And then if it was containers for me, I would want one of those self-watering containers for tomatoes. Just mm-hmm. just or either that or a really big container because if they dry out, you'll get uh, blossom and rot. Oh, okay. All right. Well, good luck to you. Keep us keep us posted and on how fun, it goes. It's fun to be talking about tomatoes in January. I know. How about it? <laughs> Thanks, Kay. Thank you. All Bye-bye. right, Darren, Darren, we'll wait till after the break for you. We're getting a little late in the half hour, so you guys can spend a couple of moments talking between yourselves. Go ahead. You know, the straw bale gardening is, is really interesting, and I, I love when people try to kind of cr- find creative new ways to grow things. And I think for me, the big trend – now in container gardening is those fabric pots. Um, it's using, they call them grow bags and they're containers that are made of uh, often a recycled geotextile fabric. Well, I'm using one called Root Pouch, which yep. is made out of recycled water bottles. Yep. And they're only like a 15 gallon one with handles is only like seven fifty. Yeah, they're super inexpensive. They last for many, many years. You can leave them out all winter. And Easy to move if there's no dirt in them. Exactly. And even if there is dirt in them, With a lot the of times, if yeah, you can yep. just kind of drag them and move them. And the other cool thing is um, they keep the roots of the plant from circling because it does this process called air pruning, which basically is when the root hits the edge of the pot, instead of circling around, it branches. And so you have a really nice, thick, fibrous root system when you grow in those fabric pots. And so I think that's kind of going to be the next I big act- trend. I actually have a 200-gallon root pouch Whoa. <laughs> planted with uh all sorts of cool weather crops some ornamental kale which is actually also edible and some pansies and it's all under plastic so we'll see what happens nice but you know that was, a, that was an instant garden and i was thinking what am i gonna fill it up with oh and you that, find things <laughs> well the pit moss the company it's not peat moss it's pit p-i-t-t moss they had extra product left over that that they just it, it they couldn't sell it, you know. It was just like, uh, I don't know what happened to it. It got wetter. Something happened to it. They said, here you go. And so that's what I filled up my 200-gallon nice. rip pouch with. All right, 866-391-1020, 866-391-1020. Coming back with more of Doug and Jess, plus an opportunity to win a gift certificate from your friends at Janoski's. This is the Organic Garden CBS Radio News in one minute. You know, if you're the 10th caller at 412-922-1020, you're going to get a $25 gift certificate from Janoski's in Clinton. Don't forget their new winter hours, 9 until 6. You want to talk to Doug and Jess? 866-391-1020. Darwin, you're ne- next on KDKA Radio. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Uh, you're welcome. I was outside looking at my house a couple days ago, and uh, on the third floor of my house, I have something I think might be a beehive. Uh it isn't well, maybe 18 inches in diameter. It's gray in color. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it is a beehive, I mean, are there bees in there? Is it dormant? That's a great question. Uh, so the, it's not a beehive. It's a wasp nest. So it's a paper okay. wasp nest. Um, and it's probably a brown paper wasp or a uh, bald-faced hornet because they uh, will. I, I know. Fake. Bald-faced hornets are nasty. They but the they, scariest thing they in will, the world. They build those sort of oblong gray paper nests which we discover in now this time of the year because they've been there it's funny how 
It was there they, all yeah, summer all, long. And you yeah. walked underneath it, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, and nothing happened, and now you see it, and you're scared. Yeah, and you know, and I don't blame you because they, when they, when they attack, they can be very nasty. But the good news is, they only use their nests for one season, and then the nest okay. is abandoned upon freezing weather. So all, all except for this, the fertilized queens, all the other worker wasps, which is the the vast majority of them inside of that nest, die when frost strikes and the 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 queens the fertilized queens abandon the nest and they will overwinter it seems like sometimes in my attic or under a log or under some bark of a tree uh so that nest is completely abandoned and i actually recommend that you leave the nest intact where it is right now it will not be reused it will never be reused but what it is is wasps are territorial so in the spring, a new female fertilized wasp will not begin to build a new nest anywhere near that one because they're territorial. So just leave it up, leave it, in, consider it an ornament. <laughs> um, pretend, and you can, I did, pretend I didn't see it. Yeah, pretend you didn't see it. You can actually buy fake nests, fake wasp nests, like dummy nests to hang up near a patio or a porch so that the wasp, paper wasps don't build a new nest you know, real nest anywhere near there. And it actually works quite well to deter them. Okay, because to be realistically, all summer long, I did notice, it's like some wasps in my yard, not the, you know, I'll just say like two or three with, you know, that seemed like a lot to me living in a, you know, small town on yeah. this on a busy street. Yeah, and I actually don't recommend even in-season destroying the nests because these are actually very good insects in terms of their ability to help control pests because inside of that wasp nest which doesn't seem all that big but that nest can weigh 20 pounds and it's largely because it's full of dead caterpillars that would otherwise eat our vegetable garden and other insects that are fed to their larvae so they're actually great pest control for the vegetable garden as we said you know they're there all summer long you haven't noticed them and usually are not bothered in any way by them and then you see the nest i i see it actually Oh, on the lake where I'm fishing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I was like, my gosh, I was right <clears throat> underneath that thing 20 oh, times. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the, the thing is they do get aggressive in the fall and they get aggressive because they know that their job is to protect their fertilized queen and they're going to do anything they can to do so. And that's why they get aggressive in the fall. And that's why a lot of times people will try to, you know, knock down the nest or get it sprayed or something like that. My thing is if you can just stay away from it for a few months, um, you know, cordon off the area or whatever, eventually they're all going to abandon the nest and die and they're not going to be a worry for future years. I had one that they, I don't know why they built it. It was like two feet off the ground in a, oh yeah, in, a, in an azalea bush. And that was the one that oh, I had. Oh yeah, that you have to take care I, of one I, that's I, like that. Yeah, because I can't tell you the pain that yeah. they inflicted on me yeah. as I ran up the woods screaming and done... <laughs> Delve into the pool. If it's high traffic area like that or around kids or a kids play area, that's a different story. 90 degrees. My hose was stuck on the azalea bush and I'm yanking on the hose. Oh, <laughs> and all and of a sudden I just I look down at my legs and it's like a cartoon. It's like you, you have the pain. Yeah. You look at what's happening and then you you react and your wheels start spinning like a roadrunner and you run up to the woods screaming and come yeah. back down and dive into the pool. And How'd you get rid of it? I actually went out at night, and this was this was scary because you it was still really hot. You could hear them pop, 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 pop on mm. the you know being in there, and just basically put a big trash bag around it, cut mm-hmm. off the branch, 
and that was the end of it. Yeah, and that's actually they do that. They um, I've never there heard was of that. there was one that was hanging over our street that um, they in the fall when my son was walking to the bus stop, it was and I thought the people that ride up and down our street on a horse, they could like it was right there, like their head level when it mm-hmm. was sitting, and I thought, oh, somebody's going to walk into that. So the the borough came and took care of it, and that's how they did it. They put at put a plastic bag over it and cut it off that way in the evening when they're all inside of there. And I've heard that they actually, that certain medical facilities will take the nests because there's some tests that they're doing on the venom that it's ability to, to like manage pain as, as it, or something like that. Like they, they will do, but I don't know that that. Maybe your true, next career could be getting wasp nests, Rob. It doesn't sound too difficult. What do you think? And of course, Steve Rapaski at Bee Control. Yeah. You know that, that's that's what he does. That's what he does. he does all that stuff. Yeah. Easy to beat up on the old guy. All right, eight six six. Are we talking about Doug? No, or who no. Are we talking I'm, pretty, about? Oh, okay. I'm pretty old. No, I'm older than Doug. Eight six six. Not much. Eight six, but still old. Eight six six three nine one ten twenty. Let's say hi to Rose in Pittsburgh. Hi, Rose. Oh, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning. I have a question about uh, my rose trellis. It's a freestanding uh, rose trellis. It's metal. It's beautiful, and it's over a, a path in my backyard. I've never done anything to it. it. The roses just bloom one time a year, and then last year we actually put clematis on it so that um, you know later in, in the uh, summer I have this beautiful clematis that's on there. It's like a jungle now because <laughs> we've never done anything to it. Mm-hmm. Should I cut it completely down? Do I? Should I just trim it up? Tell me what to do. Do you know what kind of rose it is? No. Okay. No. Okay, but it only blooms oh, once. It only blooms one time. They're beautiful pink roses, and I get a lot of them. Okay. But, like I say, it's literally like a jungle now, and I don't know whether to just cut it completely down and let it grow back over this trellis yeah, or should I, I just leave well enough alone? I wouldn't recommend cutting it all the way back. I would say it probably is in need of a good thinning. So you're going to want to get in there and thin that rose down to maybe three to five primary canes coming out of the base of the plant. Oh, okay. okay. And what you want it, but I would wait to do that until um, the plant starts to bud up. So maybe like mm-hmm. uh, late March, maybe mid-March. Um, okay. go out there and really thin it down. And I yeah, would... At that, at that time, too, you could find the dead wood. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's easy to find oh, the, the dead wood's got to go, too, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, then that, and thin it out. Um, and this is a good time to do it before that clematis really gets intertwined with it. Because once the two are intertwined, and you, there's <laughs> exactly. also a proper way to prune the clematis as well, depending on what type of clematis it is. So... You know, you're gonna gonna want to do that pruning and keep it well pruned from here on out. I would say maybe every two to three years, go in and do a good thinning, like and that. do a good pruning on yep. it. Yep. And I do use I I use rose tone on it. Good. Oh, you know uh, what? Like once a month yeah, during the good. summer. That's great. But so it is. It's a great. Oh, perfect. Thank you very much, kids. Have you're a great welcome. day. Thank Thanks, you. you too. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll come back. Congratulations to Mary, winner of that gift certificate from Janoski's. We'd love to hear from you, 866-391-1020. Get ready to clean out the freezer. All sorts of great recipes can be had. We're going to share them all with you, and we hope you'll phone in next hour with Joe and Frank Dantisi on the Coons Cooking Hour.
All right, before we get back to Doug and Jess, uh, KDK-TV reporting multiple people are dead and multiple people injured following a major crash on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Westmoreland 9-11 tells KDK reporter Chris Hoffman that the accident involved one tour bus, multiple tractor trailers, and an unknown number of passenger vehicles. A detour is in place for all eastbound and westbound turnpike traffic from uh, between Breezewood and New Stanton. Motorists heading east are being urged to use Route 119 South, U.S. 40 East to Interstate 68 East at Cumberland, Maryland, and I-70 West and re-enter the turnpike at the Breezewood Interchange Exit 161. Westbound motorists are urged to use Route 30 West to Interstate 99 North to U.S. Route 22 West to Route 66 South and then re-enter turnpike at exit number 75 at New Stanton. So again, multiple people are dead and multiple people injured following a major crash on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. We'll have more as warranted throughout the day here at KDKA Radio. Let's go to uh, Anna. Anna, how you doing? Welcome to KDK Radio. I'm doing fine, thank you. Go ahead, please. Uh, I, I was wondering if you would know any place that I can buy, excuse me, buy the indoor vaccine and seed catalogs there. Um, I know a lot of places that sell the plants. I'm trying to think about for the seeds. The place I would try is a, a catalog called Selected Seeds. And they might have Gloxinia. They have a lot of flowers, a lot of heirloom plants, a lot of heirloom seeds as well. So I would try selected seeds. Do uh, you have numbers for that I, or an address? Um, no, but we can find one for you. If you keep on listening, we'll look that up and we'll, uh, we'll announce it then when we find that information. But that's who okay. I would try for those Gloxinia seeds. Right, it's a then. great plant. Yes, up around this area, you cannot find them anymore. Yeah, it's tough. It is. It's sort of an old-fashioned plant, but I understand why it's so popular. It's. I hope it comes back into vogue someday because they really are lovely plants. Um, we used to see them a lot this time of year when people would have uh, the primroses blooming. They'd also have gloxinia and calceolaria, which is called the pocketbook plant. That's another one that sort of has fallen out of vogue, but they deserve a renaissance. I think they're just lovely plants, lovely house plants. All right, let's go to Brad and Clarion. Hey, Brad, how you doing? Good morning. I wanted to tell you guys about me getting rid of a yellow jacket nest in the ground in my yard. Uh, I was mowing around there and uh, come back around the next year, around there, and there was a bunch of bees flying over top of the ground there, and so I finished mowing. Then I pulled my tractor over top of that nest and just let it sit there and oh my God. running. Oh, Brad, boy, <laughs> you're lucky you didn't get stung putting the uh, the tractor over top of it. <laughs> well, I didn't get stung, but I after I pulled away, the, the ground was yellow with bees. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. So that's that's actually another type of paper wasp that's the, the yellow jacket. But instead of building their papery nest up in the tree, they build their papery nest in the ground. In Pittsburgh, people call them ground bees, but they're actually not bees at all. They are a wasp. They're a type of they're a European paper wasp, basically, and they do they, and they're they're sneaky sons of guns too, right? Because a lot of times you don't see them going in and out of the entrance hole to that nest until you drive over it with the with the lawnmower or something like that, or you're you're playing running around the yard with the kids or something like that, and they come out. So they are that's a cautionary tale for those as well. Um, I always tell people, you know what, if you find a ground wasp nest. 
you know, find the entrance hole. They go in and out of the entrance hole. Put a rock on top of it at night when they're all in there. Um, don't put gasoline or anything like that in it because that can harm the, the trees and plants and, and certainly the soil and all of the soil wildlife. So you definitely don't want to do that. But a lot of times just putting a rock over the entrance and keeping your eye on the place. You might have to, they might dig another entrance and then you have to put a rock over that one as well. But eventually it'll take care of the situation. Or the Gloxina seed. I found them at Hertz, which is H-I-R-T-S, but I can't get a phone number to come up on my phone here. So Hertz, H-I-R-T-S. Yes. Okay. For the Gloxinia seeds. Yeah, that's where you can find them, and uh, I wish I had the phone number for you. All right. Wait, do we have another call? No, nope, oh, just you and me. All right, just you and me. Oh, boy. So have you ever grown Gloxinia? Mm, from plants. Okay. Really beautiful. They are really beautiful. And then, you know, the plant, that's the other thing. If you can't, I, I love the challenge of growing something like that from seed, but if you can't find the seed and you can buy a plant, they're pretty inexpensive when you find them at local greenhouses. They're not going to cost you a lot of money and you can have it for many, many years. Uh, and so that, you know, you don't get the, the challenge of growing them from seed and the pleasure from growing them from seed, but you still get to enjoy the plant. How much time, Rob? Can you do me a favor and search that H-I-R-T-S seeds and see if we can come up with an 800 number for there her? There you go. We'll get the big man on it. Yeah. He's got the big computer over there. And you're right. You know, that's <laughs> a, one of those plants that, you know, has come and gone. Yeah. You know, just like a lot of plants, that, that, you know, it's kind of like fashion. Yeah. So you haven't looked through your catalogs. You haven't looked through your seed I catalogs. really haven't had a chance. And of course, you know, the Baker Creek seed catalog is it's like huge. the giant seed catalog. It's, I just look through it and I just drool. You just start drooling over all those stuff. But I also know, you know, one of the challenges, I think a lot of gardeners face this, is you you want to buy that unusual cucumber that you were talking about or you know some funky melon or something like that but you don't need 25 seeds of it you might just want one or two seeds of it and so i i wish that a lot of the seed companies would have a like sampler packets where it was would just be just a few seeds i would be willing to pay you know for the shipment of that and for the ability to just buy a few seeds as or even like a trial packet for it, um, where it's a little less expensive, mm -hmm. fewer seeds, and that way it's not as much of a gamble, you know? Here is the number to get those Gloxina seeds from Hertz. It's 1-330-239-0506. 330-239-0506 for your Gloxina seeds. And I'm sure there's some other sources. I just looked real quick. You know, and you might, there might be like local nurseries that have that Gloxina seed, but that would be a rare one. That'd be a weird one to, to find. Yeah, it would be. Because I believe probably most of the nurseries that grow those plants will grow them from plugs that, that are purchased in from um, larger growers, and then they'll pot them up and grow them out from those plugs. Uh, and so then, you know, obviously they don't have the seeds on hand because they're not growing them from seed. Well, the other thing I noticed in my looking through those seed catalogs is how expensive hybrid seed is becoming. Mm. It's expensive, you know. I'm growing mostly open pollinated, so if I wanted to, I could save the seeds. But man, it could be six ninety five for a packet of, yeah. of of like regular tomato seeds, you know. But it might be something new, some new uh, cross. Uh, also, the other trend that I've seen is uh, <laughs> crossing heirlooms to get the best out of both types of mm -hmm. heirloom, but then it becomes a hybrid seed, and so yeah. you are. You have to, if you really love the variety, you have to rely on the seed company to to buy the the seeds. Yeah. And a yep. lot of times, hybrids will will go away. Uh, I grew one called Pixie when I first started gardening. Pixie two, actually, it was called. And it was it was I just loved it. it was, and it was 
just uh, bigger than a cherry tomato, and it just didn't catch on. And I used to have plants, and I'd give them to my like my interns that would come work for me for the summer. And uh, sometimes hybrids go away. Remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. <laughs> okay, guys, have a great day. Listen, I wanted to take a little time and tell you again about this developing story of local interest. Uh, Ashley Funyak gave this to me about 15 minutes ago. Uh, multiple people are dead and multiple people injured following a major crash on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. A Westmoreland 911 telling KDKA reporter Chris Hoffman that the accident involved one tour bus, multiple tractor trailers, and an unknown number of passenger vehicles. A detour is important place for all eastbound and westbound turnbike traffic between Breezewood and New Stanton. Here's what they have for you. Motorists heading east are being urged to use Route 119 South, US 40 East to Interstate 68 East at Cumberland, Maryland to I-70 West and re-enter the turnpike at the Breezewood Interchange Exit 161. Now, westbound motorists, according to the Turnpike, are urged to use Route 30 west to Interstate 99 north to U.S. Route 22 west to Route 66 south and re-enter the Turnpike at exit number 75. That's New Stanton. So, again, big story, local interest. Multiple people are dead and multiple people injured following a major crash on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. A detour is in place for all eastbound and westbound Turnpike traffic between Breezewood and New Stanton. We'll continue to follow this story throughout the day. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 